Hi, this is Scott Hansen, and this is our State of the Industry podcast that we put out periodically. And thanks for taking part of this. Uh, as you may know, I'm co-CEO of Allworth Financial, a uh, fee-based advisory firm headquartered in Sacramento with um, 50-some-odd advisors uh, in uh, three different states. And um, we've been doing this State of the Industry podcast to kind of talk about some of the trends that are going on, particularly in the M&A space. And so right now, this is a, a pretty fun podcast for me today because I'm first interviewing uh, my own business partner, Pat McLean, who I've been uh, working with since 1991. And we'll talk a little bit about our start and kind of niche marketing and how that was helpful. Then we're moving on to Andrew Dodson. Andrew is a managing partner of our RPE firm, Parthenon Capital Partners, and he'll be talking about really what he's seen in the industry right now, and then also some of the pros and cons of niche marketing. And then finally, which is really exciting for us, we're going to be talking with Jeff Bomber. He's a COO and president of a firm called RAA. And RAA is the latest firm to join the Allworth brand. Uh, with uh, They've got $2.8 billion. They serve 3,200 families, 100 employees with offices in Dallas, Atlanta, and Seattle. But what's really interesting about RAA is they have a very specific niche, and they focus on airline employees and airline pilots. And so Jeff is going to be talking about uh, how they built the firm in that in that area and why they've chosen to be part of Allworth going forward. So uh, I know you'll enjoy our podcast today. Well, let's start things off in today's podcast with Pat McLean, of course, my long-term partner. Well, thank you for having me here. <laughs> We're laughing because we just finished recording uh, a couple episodes uh, of our, our uh, weekly radio show. Yes. And by the way, um, there's a lot of financial advisors listen to it. So I actually met a gentleman. I was at a conference in, where was I? Charlotte a few weeks back. And uh, I shared an Uber over to the hotel with the gentleman as we were leaving the conference. And he looked at me and he said, I know you listen to your your podcast, your radio show, and I said, "Why is a financial <laughs> advisor? Do you listen to my podcast?" He said, "I want to see how I would answer the questions oh. that people ask if it's similar to how because it's Colin. Yeah, it's a Colin talk show." He said, "I just want to see yeah. if my answers are similar." And he says, "It's kind of a little game I play, and I enjoy it." So, so, I, so we're going to talk a little bit about niche marketing and kind oh, of. Oh, by how the we way, started. I did invite him to come and visit our firm. Um, as I invite all advisors, uh, come and visit our Not firm. Not all advisors. Most advice. Uh, if you have if you similar share values, similar, similar values and yeah. cultures, I will invite you to yes. come and visit our firm. Because we're growing through partnership. And I show what we do. So yeah. this gentleman's coming to see us. Yeah, so All Worth Financial today, um, you know, we've, we've grown quite a bit through but mostly organic growth for many years in the last couple of years. We've grown through some um, integration, mergers and, mergers and acquisitions, yeah. integrations. Uh, but we started out, Pat and I started out, we were both at Lincoln National Life Insurance Company, like a year or two out of college. Yeah, a long time ago. And Pat was this uh, notorious marketer. We are both young and starting, you know, trying yeah, to figure just, out, just trying to figure it out back then. And uh, stumbled across a person who had uh, had a retirement offer from the telecommunications industry, Pacific Bell at the time. Yeah, which is now AT&T. And so Pat and I decided, why don't we partner up together and figure this market out? Because back at the time, the company was, in the 90s, they were they were they had more employees than they needed. They did a bunch of hiring in the 60s. The pension plan at that time, believe it or not, was overfunded. They were using the pensions to buy people out. So they're giving people retirement offers, which essentially either take the retirement offer today 
Or you get a pink slip tomorrow. You choose. And so they would enhance the pension by adding four years to your age and four years to your service so that many people that lump sum or the monthly pension increase by 30 to 40%. And if they were close to retirement anyway, um, many of them would. And why did we tell, why did we do well in the phone company? So this particular niche was attractive because of the population and the lack of understanding of how their own pensions worked. And we made ourselves an expert at their particular company plans and benefits. So to the point that it wasn't unusual for someone from human resources to call and ask us questions about their own pension, um, which I always found a little bit disturbing. Um, And it wasn't unusual for someone that was at the phone company. We called it the phone company because they called it the phone company. But at the time, Pacific Bell, later AT&T. To get or some Ma wrong Bell. or Ma Bell. Get a bell-shaped head. Yeah, they would get wrong information, and we would uh, contradict that information. People thought they could retire, and they weren't eligible I, even <clears throat> with the four. I remember four. I remember someone called. It, we got so deep in the company that people were saying, you can't retire without talking to Hanson McLean, which is what our brand was before we rebranded all with. You can't talk, you can't retire without talking to these guys. And I remember I had a guy call me. He lived up in the foothills of the Sierra Nevada mountains uh, in some little community. And he called and said he was taking this retirement offer, wanted to schedule an appointment to come up and meet with us to, to invest his rollover dollars, what he said. And so I said, well, let me ask you a couple of questions. I started probing around. I said, you're not retirement eligible. He's like, what are you talking about? I said, you're not retirement eligible because here's why. Boom, boom, boom. And he says, well, I, I'm actually, it's the severance offer that I met with my manager last week. I met with someone from the corporate office or whatever. No one said it to me. I said, I don't care what they told you. I'm just telling you, you leave, you're not pension eligible. Which would mean hundreds of thousands of dollars to and, him. And uh, Exactly. Oh, hundreds of thousands. And I said, it's not like the company can then just make an exception for you with pension dollars. It's all governed by ERISA. They can't just go make exceptions. I said, you leave this Friday like you think you're leaving. You're not going to have a pension. Of course, I was right. A couple, you do things like that a couple times. Well, you just understand the plan. So that's the benefit of the, the of, the, of the niche. Then once we understood the niche and actually then how to communicate on an effective basis with that population, we started teaching other advisors exactly how and to was, do that. Yeah, it was all through an education process. Back yeah. then it was all workshops. Today, of course, a lot of digital tools we use and whatnot. But, um, but the benefit of actually working, and it's not, there's corporate niches and then there's like doctors or lawyers all of those are good all of them are good as long as you actually that group has something in common and you have an effective means of providing value to them through an educational based process yeah and studies have shown that with niches uh you can command a higher fee and you have better margins and one i think one of the things that we noticed and for many years, the majority of our customers, our clients, were retirees from the phone company. For the first 10 years of our existence. And then we created a, another company, the Hanson McLean Retirement Network. We had advisors around the country. I think we rolled out about 5 or $6 billion. A lot of money. From the phone company. It was going somewhere. Correct. And it went to uh, advisors that were affiliated with us. Yeah, that we helped uh, t- teach them that. But I think, um, I think what we enjoyed about the niche is once you understand it, you can be very efficient Yes, because they're the situations. Once you understand the pensions and how they work, you don't have to re-educate yourself right. every time. They're all just like 
of course, there's little nuances, but but in the during, very similar. during that process, though, we met other advisors across the United States that were in different niche, niches in different industries, which was interesting. And people, some people got very, very, very good at it. Not just the AT and T, but yeah. other industries, oil industries. And we have too. We've worked. Company. We've worked with utilities. Or you see people that uh, specialize in stock options with some tech companies or. Yeah. Whatever it might be. As long as they're good at it and they take the uh, a proper approach, you can normally um, embed yourself pretty deep. And if you were starting brand new in, in this industry today and you're dropped into some city, what would you do? What would I do? Besides choose a different profession. <laughs> no, I, actually, I fortunately would probably change this, choose the same profession. I'd go after a niche because it, if you have no, if you don't have a lot of capital, uh, it is an easy way to build a business. Um, where we do it, it, it all works now. We still operate in the niches, but we spend a lot of money uh, acquiring uh, clients. And to- it takes a long time. I remember with Pacific Bell, they had a retirement offer. We had seven or eight clients and hundreds, I think, retired. A year later, we ended up with 30 or 40 clients, hundreds retired. But we built it to the place where in Sacramento, where we're headquartered, we had about a 70% market share at one point. But it takes Today, a, there's, there's, They've all retired or moved. So yeah, it takes a long time, though. Yeah. But it's clearly a, um, a, it's a, a good way to help build a business. Any niche. Although, I got to tell you, the telecom industry is not a super great. So you're listening to this. And no, no, thinking, no, no. That, that ran its course. That was yeah. old Ma Bell Monopoly. And it's run its course. Yeah. And, in fact, we've seen it in a lot of deregulated industries. Um, all right. Well, thank you, Pat. Um, as always. <laughs> All right. Great being here. So our next guest for our podcast today is Andrew Dodson. Andrew uh, essentially is the managing partner of uh, the private equity firm that has a majority stake in Allworth. So um, got to know a lot of different PE guys when we were looking at the right kind of partner and um, met up with Andrew and his team and been working with them for a couple of years and have a great working relationship. So Andrew was on a previous podcast uh, that we've done a few months back. And Andrew, thanks for taking some time to join us today. Uh, thanks for having me, Scott. Yeah. Looking and forward to it. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I was at a conference earlier in the week and talking to some other private equity firms just because they're all hoping that you guys want to exit up here. At least what it feels like. And I'm sitting there talking to this, this one firm. And as this guy is just spewing on and on, I just thought to myself, there's not a chance in the world I'd want to be in business with this guy. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I, think, I like work, oh, yeah, I, I like I like working with the team that I'm working with. And uh, anyway, so here I wanted to just briefly talk to you about a couple of things. One is uh, kind of what's happening in the industry right now, as far as what have we seen as the latest kind of transactions and um, and where's what I think kind of the headwinds and tailwinds are right now. And then talk a little bit about uh, RAA. Uh, recent uh, firm that's joining Allworth and kind of their niche marketing and the pros and the cons from your perspective of niche marketing. So the the sounds great. The third quarter, because it's what October, mid October right now of 2019, and in the third quarter we saw quite a few transactions. We saw a couple that are well known in the wealth management space: uh, Mercer Advisors and the Wealth Enhancement Group, right? Um, and both of these just look like kind of a recap of different uh, private equity partners uh, coming in. What can you speak to that, um, you know, when you're on the record here? What, what, what might, might be able to add some color to these things? 
Yeah, look, I think both of those transactions are indicative of the interest that the space has drawn uh, from private equity overall. Uh, I think you and I talked on the last podcast around you know, our hypothesis that we're in the very early innings of private equity's interest in wealth management. And I think those two processes are um, uh, obviously selling very high-quality businesses. And the interest level, I think, both across private equity firms and strategic buyers was um, very, very high. And so, if anything, I think those two transactions will uh, will further fuel the flames of, uh, of private equity's interest in the, in the wealth space. Yeah, and it kind of felt like even after United Capital it was a bit of uh, ringing the dinner bell. Um, I know we had, we've had a lot of conversations with some firms that really weren't thinking that much about it until that, and they're thinking, hmm, this market's kind of on fire. Maybe I should take, uh, take pay some attention. And we also yeah, talked that's exactly right. And and you know those those two processes are further educating the market on on the power of the business model and. You know, what I mean by that is you have a, a, an industry that's based on recurring revenue, so fees that get charged in advance on you know, a quarterly basis, very, very high retention, um, and lots of con- consolidation opportunities. And those are all uh, things that private equity firms look for when assessing industries. And to me, the only surprising thing is, it's, is just that it's taken this long for you know, a lot of private equity firms to discover the industry. Well, and we had talked before about what's happening in the property and casualty insurance space. And I'm just looking at a report from Echelon Partners for the third quarter. And of the top 10 largest M&A transactions in this space, uh, Global Retirement Partners, the buyer was Hub International, uh, Stone Street Pearl River, Hub International, Wharton Hiller Advisors, Hub International, which I thought was interesting just because they're all essentially insurance holding companies. Um, Insurance yeah, brokerage firms. Exactly. And um, tremendous consolidation, and um, they're spewing over into the wealth management space, it looks like a bit as well. And how do you think about yeah. from, from, I think, obviously, part of, the, of an advantage of being a private company, you can have a longer-term perspective on things. You're not beholden to shareholders on a quarterly basis of your outlook and all that sort of thing. But how do you think about you know, just even a historical, traditional bear market, you know, one that's you see a 30% decline in equities that last nine months. What's that going to do to business valuations and M&A and all that? Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. I mean, I think, um, you know, for us, you know, outside of the wealth space, we're underwriting a recession in every deal that we do right now. And so um, at some point, if you think that a, a private equity buyer's hold period is somewhere between four and six years, for example, um, the likelihood of of a new buyer in the space experiencing a recession as part of their hold is extraordinarily high right now. And for us, um, you know, the way that we think about it is, look, we're going to have to, if we're facing a recession in an industry that has some correlation to the overall market, a couple of things have to be true. One, we have to be comfortable in longer hold periods. And so for us, you know, one of the unique things about our funds is that we can go out to 13 plus years, which is longer than a than a typical private equity fund, and so it allows us to be patient. Um, by the way, we're you know we're much more interested in in creating many multiples of our original investment than necessarily IRR, and so if an investment takes longer to gestate and we still get a high multiple of money, 
we're totally fine with that. Obviously, IRR is a consideration, but but um, you know we're we're more focused on many multiples of money. You know, the other key component of it is we want to find businesses that have really strong organic growth outside of the market. And so, you know, one of the things, as you know, that uh, was really compelling to us about Handsome McLean, now Allworth, is that the net flows of the business were significantly higher than businesses that, that we had seen, other, other RIAs. Um, and so well, partly, is, partly is most, most firms aren't growing, so it's, it's pretty low bar, exactly. right? And so... And so the, 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 the beauty is that even in a downturn, if you're growing net flows, let's say 10 plus percent a year, it'll offset a lot of that, uh, a lot of that, that uh, negative market movement. And then in, in, in periods of increasing market, um, that obviously provides uh, significant tailwinds. And so we want to offset any sort of market correlation with um, underlying growth in the core KPIs. Got it. And so, as far as PE firms interested in our space, how how many you know ballpark? How many firms do you think are trying to have a, a position in, in the wealth management space today versus say three years ago? If you have any idea. Yeah, I mean, based on what I know of the Weg and Mercer processes, they're probably a, a solid. You know, seven or eight firms that overlap between those processes were relatively aggressive, and I think with only a couple of exceptions, have not invested in the space. Interesting. Before. Got it. Yeah. Well, there's just not a lot of platform firms out there, are there? Yeah, and that's you know one of the things that's really compelling to us is, you know, if you think about the space overall, um, you know, it's got what we call a barbell-shaped distribution curve, right, where you have you know, only a couple of um, large firms at the top end of the market, you know, think like a Fisher or an Edelman or, or, or guys like that. Uh, very, very few um, high-quality businesses in the sort of, you know, 5 to $15 billion range, and then tens of thousands of yeah. small businesses. <laughs> right. and so there's huge value to be created if you can fill that void in the market. And you know, for us, that's that's one of the really compelling things about uh, about the opportunity. All right. Well, thanks. Let's let's pivot now to kind of niche industries, niche marketing. So, um, you know, just recently announced that Allworth is uh, doing a transaction with a firm called RAA, headquartered out of Dallas, that uh, specializes in airline employees, particularly pilots, and many of their employees are actually pilots. <laughs> um, and so, in going through that process. Um, what what is interesting about niche marketing, whether it's whether it's in the pilot space or some other space, and what what is perhaps a negative from a, you know from a private equities partner's perspective? Yeah, sure. So you know the positive is that um, you know you can really tailor your uh, your advice process and the types of services that you're providing to clients uh, to that specific niche, and so. In the case of pilots, um, they have very regimented uh, 401k uh, contributions from the employer over time, 16% a year as mandated by the, by the pilots' unions. You have a forced retirement at age 65. And so you have a very specific path that a pilot goes through to get to retirement. And probably a very, very difficult your... – uh, <laughs> there's a high barrier to entrance. I'm not going to be able to go and pop into the – cockpit on a flight and pitch the pilot. Absolutely. They might shoot Absolutely. Me. And so if you can tailor your services and, and also tailor your marketing um, to that uh, 
path, you can be super successful. And uh, ideally, you're creating some sort of network effect where, um, you know, in the case of pilots, they're, you know, sitting uh, in the cockpit for hours at a time. They have layovers together. And so ideally, the more pilots you get, the more they hear about your company, the uh, more efficient your marketing becomes, et cetera. And so it can, it can feed on itself. Um, and so that, that to us is the really compelling piece. We think that we can provide great customer service to a select niche, grow the, the net flows, um, and uh, really drive, drive uh, superior organic growth over time. You know, the challenge is, if there's a negative, is that um, you have a relatively defined universe, right? There are uh, only a certain number of pilots in the U.S., um, and so your growth is somewhat constrained by um, by the pilot universe and the yeah. number of pilots that are retiring every year in this case, and, and that's obviously applicable to other niche markets. Um, and so from, from our standpoint, the, the core question that we wrestled with was, how do we leverage what they've built from a geographic standpoint, from an advisor-based standpoint, uh, to leverage the, the niche market that they have and go broader, um, either by acquiring other analogous firms, um, you know, providing non-niche um, kind of marketing in those geographies, et cetera. And so we really think of it as a, as a platform play to, to grow both geographically and in uh, ancillary markets. Got it. And you, have you found that margins tend to be better on kind of niche players? Uh, I'm not sure there's a universal uh, rule of thumb around, you know, margin profile. Um, it can really go either way based on how much you're willing to invest in, in marketing and client acquisition. Uh, as you know, <laughs> wealth management firms can be really, really profitable if you stop investing in marketing and just uh, let the business kind of attrit over time uh, because the retention is so high you can um, really cut down on new client acquisition and, and client service and drive a lot of margins. Yeah, not just marketing. So you can cut down. Us, you can a, cut back on client. I mean, I heard someone joke at a conference. Exactly. They said, you provide phenomenal customer service, you're going to have a 98% retention rate. You provide horrible customer service, you're going to have a 96% retention rate. <laughs> That's right. Because no right. one wants to fire and their – it's so painful. So yeah, right? It's hard to, find, yeah. to fire your advisor. you got to go find someone new. It's a very scary process. That's right. That's yeah. right. So what's what's what makes you excited this next uh, year in the wealth management space, and what is making you uncomfortable? Uh, it, 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 the answer to the to both of those questions might be the same. Um, <laughs> you know, what gets me excited is just yeah, no. there, there's more and more attention uh, being paid to the space. I think that's going to um, drive great outcomes for business owners, for advisors, for clients, um, you know, I think that the industry is really going to be in the spotlight, which I think will be uh, uh, tremendously beneficial to all the different stakeholders. I think what gets me nervous is there's a lot of attention on the space. Yeah. And so as we think about uh, particularly growing through uh, inorganic means, um, you know, it just becomes more competitive. And so uh, as a business owner, uh, obviously that can be beneficial, but um, you know certainly it becomes more competitive out there. Yeah, I'm mean, clearly a good time for sellers right now, um, just because there's lots yeah, of opportunity. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, <laughs> so, particularly well, sellers of businesses of scale. Yeah, 
Well, Andrew, uh, appreciate the time you took today. Again, this is Andrew Dodson. He's a managing partner of Parthenon Capital Partners. So thanks so much. Thanks, Scott. Well, our next guest today is Jeff Barmer. And uh, Jeff is the president and COO of RAA. RAA, again, is an uh, investment advisory firm that has been specializing with pilots, airline pilots. And um, Jeff has, rather than kind of going over Jeff's bio, I thought it'd be interesting to hear from Jeff because he's got uh, a bit of a fascinating background. So, Jeff, thanks for being part of our podcast today. Thanks, Scott. Great to be here. I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah. So give, give us a little brief background. You are obviously an executive now in a large RAA, but uh, what's your uh, kind of career background and how'd you get into this business? Uh, okay. So um, a little bit different from most folks in, in this career. Um, when I graduated from college, I got into the Marine Corps and I was a, uh, became a Marine Corps fighter pilot. So I flew F-18s in the Marine Corps and um, stationed in Hawaii and, and all over the world. And, uh, you know, while I was while I was a Marine, I was, uh, you know, investing and not really sure what I was doing or how or how to do it. I, I knew that uh, what I was doing was wrong, which was basically investing in last year's hot mutual fund, which I think was like the 20th century ultra fund or something at the time. But <laughs> but anyway, so, um, you know, I, I knew that wasn't right. And uh, but I was an engineering major uh, in college. So I really didn't know a lot about this business or or how to invest. And, uh, you know, I was up one night watching the news and there was a segment on the economy and I realized I didn't know how to spell GDP and I probably ought to figure that out. So um, I started taking some correspondence courses while I was deployed. Um, so you spend a lot of time overseas and sometimes you're, you know, doing a lot of nothing. And so I was just doing reading and studying and trying to figure this out, eventually enrolled in some courses um, and, and, and uh, you know, picked up the, uh, the knowledge set that I needed. I ended up getting out of the Marine Corps, get off, getting off active duty in 1996 and, and hired by uh, a major airline. And um, so I was flying with a major airline, but I was also still in the reserves with the Marines. And uh, I ended up doing, you know, 27 years uh, with the Marines total. And then uh, um, shortly after I got on with the airlines, um, I started to uh, see that, you know, a lot of airline pilots do things on the sides. And some of my friends who are airline pilots were involved in this type of business. And anyway, so I got to working with some of them, ended up uh, starting a, a business out of my living room. And um, and then, you know, fast forward to here we are today. So, um it's uh, it's been a good ride. Really and, enjoyed it. And you and, are uh, you're you not in addition to being uh, president of RA. You are also you're still an active pilot. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. Oh, all right. Yes. And you're and and the firm you started was based out of at Atlanta, and you had uh, sold to RAA a few years back. Is that right? Right. And so I had started a firm in Atlanta and, and got together with another firm that was also with airline pilots, and then. Um, we were we were uh, advisor financial services and uh, sold to uh, RAA in uh, 2016. Yeah, and I think what's kind of cool about your journey. Sometimes people in our industry look at when they do a transaction like selling. They think they sell and then they don't know what their future looks like. But so you were a smaller firm, sold into a larger firm, and then you end up becoming uh, president and COO of the firm that you sold into, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That's right. It it sort of speaks to the culture of the firm, really, because um, when when RAA made the acquisition, they started off from the very beginning of, hey, let's let's take the approach of uh, what's the best going forward, not necessarily 
what's the best process, or, or let's not necessarily let's use our process or your process, but let's figure out which is the best. And you know what? Maybe neither one is the best, or what's the best system, or who's the best uh, person to be in this particular seat. So it, it was really, you know, looking out for the well-being of the whole firm, not just looking at, hey, this is the way we do it, and so that's the way you're going to do it. Yeah. So, and with the airline space, uh, is that so? Is that all of the clients that RA has served? I mean, is it sixty percent of the client base, or eighty percent of the client base, or? Oh no, it's 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 much higher than that. I I think that uh, it's over ninety five percent of the uh, client base is, is the airline community. Wow, and what <laughs> I thought I would. I just, uh, interviewed someone earlier in the podcast and was kind of talking about the challenge of being able to get in front of a pilot. Obviously, if I'm flying United, I can't exactly, I can't go walk up into the, knock on the, <laughs> <laughs> the if you were flying the plane, you not might not be too, jail, no. yeah, <laughs> someone knocking on the door. So um, what are some interesting things you guys have done over the years to, um, you know, kind of build the brand within that community and what makes RA so special with the pilots? Well, I think first and foremost is if you look back to the, the very beginning of it, and, and that was, um, you know, members of the airline community, uh, you know, we all started, whether it was RAA or, or AFS, we all started as members of the airline community looking to uh, help members of the airline community. So, you know, we we were helping our friends and colleagues to start with. You know, there was a, you know, at some point I realized I had a, a knowledge and skill set um, that I initially started off on my, you know, for my own well-being, that that I could help other people, and so did so did other folks, so did Carl and Gary and others at RAA, and you start to realize, hey, there's a lot of folks out there that could really use help because, you know, you know, let's face it, when you're when you're sitting in an airplane and um, you know you're four and a half hours into it over the Atlantic Ocean, and you've you've talked about all other things, um, pretty soon, you know, that the discussion sometimes will, will go towards investments or, or benefits or, or what, you know, what the next contract is. And, you know, you hear some, some things from folks that you realize is, you know, that's this, this person doesn't quite have this right. And you, you can help them out and provide them some, some insight that helps them make better decisions. And so, so you, you, you know, the, you sort of build this trust with them. We were never selling really, which is kind of a weird thing to say, but it was more just, um, Hey, look, this is this is the way to look at this, and then pretty soon you build trust, and and pretty soon you realize, you know, you have something here that's valuable, and people want you to to work with them, and then that travels by word of mouth. Um, you know, we we've done some some things. We uh, back in the days of, of newsletters, we actually had a, a newsletter, not a newsletter that you think of investment newsletter. It says buy this and sell that. It was more informative. We were always always took the approach of educating our clients and, and, and helping them make decisions. So the newsletter is really focused on informative things, not necessarily what hot stock to pick. So, um, you know, building that trust, providing them useful information, educating, um, you know, fellow uh, airline uh, community members. And um, eventually it just, it just started to grow. And, uh, you know, then you have friends of yours that are, are uh, become clients and then they become, you know, raving fans, if you will, and pretty soon you've got clients that are telling other folks about it, and and you know then then those those clients that are so uh, that bring on so many referrals and bring on so many clients, eventually they want to be part of the team, and so they become part of the team, and they're telling more folks, and and so that's just the way we grew. Yeah, you know it's interesting because with our background, starting with telecommunication employees, 
it's uh, we found that when you really understand their unique benefits and there's some right. there's some there's some planning opportunities that other advisors probably don't know about or can't really see. But when you really understand the the, the nuances of the own corporate corporate plans, uh, you, you understand those planning elements and you can help educate and speak into those. And that's what we found that why we've got so many referrals within the telecommunication space. And same reason I think you guys get that kind of referrals within the airline space. Yeah, I, I, I mean that you, you nailed it. Really, I mean that's that's sort of the advantage of of really knowing a niche and working in a niche, right? Um, you know, we we have the opportunity to to serve a community that we know really well. I mean, we know all aspects of it um, because we're part of it. And you know, when when you know their benefit plans, when you know their their retirement plans, you know, you're, like we know that there's so many pilots that are former military folks. We know the military benefits. I mean. You know, you, you think about what happened to the industry with the planned terminations and, you know, freezing of, of defined benefit plans, the traditional defined benefit plans. You know, we know all the nuances that, I mean, heck, we know how to spell PBGC, um, you know, where there's a, a lot of advisors out there that probably don't even know the relevance of that to the airline community, where when you know those things, the the when, when, when airline uh, pilots come and talk to you, you already have a certain level of knowledge. It just it just you build that trust. It, it, they they know that they're talking to someone who um, knows their needs. And you guys built uh, obviously RA has been extremely successful, um, serving over three thousand families, almost three billion dollars in assets. I think uh, envy of a lot of people. And you uh, recently went through a process to figure out who's the right partner going forward. And you could have gone a number of different routes, um, probably just directly to a private equity firm as a standalone company or merge in with somebody else. Why did you choose Allworth? Yeah, that, that's a good question. Um, so really what we were looking for is we were looking for, I guess, from an organizational perspective, we were looking for an organization that we could partner with that would help us reach out to more in the airline community, basically allow us to deliver excellence. Um, to more of our fellow pilots, to, to reach out to more pilots. And so from an organizational perspective, something that um, was going to help us reach out uh, to more people. But the, the other thing, and, and maybe even the most important thing, was the people part of it. We, you know, we really wanted to work with people that, that you know, shared the value set that we, that we have. And, and so, you know, we, we, in all worth, we see people that were enthusiastic about serving, serving their clients. They're enthusiastic about helping their clients grow. They're enthusiastic about, um, you know, elevating themselves, learning, elevating the company, so basically they can elevate their clients. And 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 clearly, Allworth was that firm. Um, so you know, and, and the other part is, you know, what you mentioned earlier is, is that Allworth understands what it means to be a niche firm. You know, with the start in the telecom industry, Allworth really understands that. And so um, there's a lot of alignment and how to approach uh, the airline niche. Yeah. Well, we we are very excited about our future together. And, um, of course, this was uh, just announced uh, a latter part of October. And um, I think it's going to be pretty fun going forward, um, working together with you guys and, and taking some of the things that we've learned and learned some things from you guys. And it's a, it's a fun process right now because I've spent some time talking with you, Jeff, and you are really excited about doing something unique in this this industry going forward. Maybe you can speak to that a bit of why, 
why aren't you just retiring? I mean, you, I don't know what the military pensions are like, but I'm sure you've got one and you've been with an airline for a long time. So you, I imagine you've got plenty of cash flow coming off from the airlines if that's what you wanted to do. Um, so, yeah, why don't you just retire? Well, I, I guess it's, it's uh, one, it's it's my, my passion for this business. I really, um, it's very meaningful to help clients. And to build an organization that looks at clients from a service perspective, that we're here to serve serve clients, that we're here to be fiduciaries, that's meaningful to me. When I hear the stories about the things that we do for our clients, when I get the feedback from clients, the letters, uh, um, and not just me, you know, shared across the country, when we see those uh, across the company, um, it's just, it's inspiring. And so um, what I get excited about, when I think about, for instance, the um, the Allworth partnership. I think about the skills, the talent, the know-how, know-how that Allworth brings to the table. I think about what RA brings to the table, and you know, bringing those two things together. I mean, that's going to allow us to do some amazing things for our, our, our clients, for our team members. I mean, and and you know, when I when I think about the Allworth people, you know, who 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 doesn't want to continue to work with motivated, smart people? You know, people that you share values with, and and so. You know, when I think about that and I think about what we could do across the nation to really build a, a firm that's got a nationwide presence, right? A nationwide presence and that's that's it's that firm, it's that fiduciary firm that is is on top of people's mind when you think about um, you know, mass affluent to, to maybe high net worth folks, people who um, they want to go to a firm that they can trust. They want to know that they can um, that they're gonna have uh, talented, educated people that they can trust help them on their financial journey. Um, I mean, that's that's exciting to help to be part of a firm that's going to build that. And we need that in this nation. There's just not enough of that. So to me, that really gets me going. Well, we are excited to have you too, Jeff. And it's fun as I've watched your you, you did the transaction with RA and then you quickly moved on to a pretty senior leadership uh, role there. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how you can help. All worth as well. And I think part of our mission is very similar to you. I mean, we want to really make a difference in people's lives. And for us, it's about finding like-minded people who want to join forces with us, roll up their sleeves, and let's kind of help figure it out. And, you know, for some of our, our partners, it's they're at a retirement stage. And so it's really more about their other team members that are being part of Allworth and helping us figure this out. And But it's great. It's, it's awesome when you get someone like yourself that uh, – you clearly have a couple more seasons of work in you and want to do something meaningful and significant and doing it. Uh, I'm looking forward to working with you. So. Well, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it as well. And I can tell you that uh, our team is, is, is very excited about it as well. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks so much for taking a few moments today, Jeff. Sure thing. Great talking to you, Scott. Well, thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. I hope this got you thinking about a bit about your own future and how you might be growing your business. And uh, if it makes sense to have a discussion with Allworth to see if it might be a kind of fit moving forward with us about joining forces, creating something special in the community, the kind of the passion that Jeff just shared with us. And you can learn more about us at allworthpartners.com. That's allworthpartners.com. Until next time, see you later. This podcast has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm with the Securities and Exchange Commission.